really the truth is it's 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 a time issue it's it's not happening tomorrow it's not happening next year in a but, sense you recognize that you would be kind of sowing the seeds for yes a i mean tomorrow. as as the 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 saying goes the the best time to plant a tree is 40 years ago and the second best time is right now and so that's that is that is where we that's where we are hi mariana how are you Hello. i'm all right good we're so glad to have you here now Little did I know until yesterday that you and Lucy know each other somehow. Is that yep, is yep. that correct? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. We're Facebook acquaintances. Facebook buddies. Yep. You beat me oh to it. Now you get to see me live and in person. I love it so much. So, uh, Mariana, we were talking. We're talking a little bit about like uh, this nationalism. I want to know, like, well, we haven't gotten into it yet, but I want to know. We're, we just got off there on the emotional intelligence. Now, you sure. are going to school for what is that? Experimental? No, no, psych- no, 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 no. No, I did go to school. <laughs> this was a while so you, ago. Okay, so you <laughs> have the, so the, you have many degrees, and what is it? Experimental psychology. So, so my my master's, which wasn't finished due to a literal technical issue with the the equipment was in behavioral neuroscience, um, was experimental psychology with a specialty in behavioral neuroscience. And I had um, a specialization in uh, psychopharmacology. Oh my God, scrap everything that we were gonna talk about. Let's just go from scratch. Okay, so (laughs) this is, no, I'm sorry, because that's so, you didn't didn't mention the neuroscience part yesterday on the conversation. Well, I mean, behavioral (laughs) neuroscience is just, you know, the understanding that that behavior itself is coming from specific portions of the brain and just, you know. Okay, so let me add- We can actually see those sort of things through MRIs and fMRIs and things like that. And so, okay. you know, while the, the brain is a very complex and plastic thing, like no one thing is going to be true for all human beings, you can see a lot of things that are, are you know, similar from person to person. So, okay, so speaking similar to person to person, let me just ask you, you say you look, you look in the brain where you see things, right? Is mm-hmm. that what you said? Okay, so where's like, where's like this deep seated like, racism and like nationalistic I, like where's that coming from i i don't i i unfortunately don't have that level of detail of like what oh. specific anatomical section of the brain it may be coming from whether it be like the the amygdala you know where we're going to have a lot of fear come from and things like that um but just in in like a, a general sense you know your you know like an an internal sense of power is going to come from a, a you know plethora of places, but it's really going to be coming from like a, a sense of of accomplishment and things like that. That I am good at this, but you know when when we're without that, people are are finding it from other places, which means we've got these media sources and and other sources that that are claiming that that there's some amount of power that you are are deserved or that you have from that is that is intrinsic to your your social construct whether that be like gender or race or nationality and so that that's just you know creating a, a greater amount of otherness and once you truly other someone then it becomes much easier to commit violence on them yeah look at in the military we would other our enemies like oh, yeah. when i was going through boot camp it was it wasn't oh the people of this middle eastern country it was we would use slurs to, oh, yeah. to address them. and that was the norm. And then you would even, uh, even the stuff that was like cult of cu- culture importance 
we wouldn't call that we wouldn't call them anything other than that in a derogatory way like you would hear it all the time it's oh like at, at one point i was tad temporarily assigned to um uh basically having these three people follow me who were from the locale and they would clean the barracks and i had to watch over them and they would refer to them instead of by their name or by their citizenry they would say oh you have three hajis with you like oh uh how are the hodges today or oh i don't like that hodge and they wouldn't refer to them by name they wouldn't refer to them by anything respectful and you know we're there supposedly building the country and you know uh, more or less putting down the enemy and that's what they refer to them as they would never refer to them as anything respectful in like a natural sense like i would never call somebody in, in america uh some of the stuff that they would refer to these people as because i would expect somebody would pop me in the mouth so that, mm -hmm. you know combating that was very difficult like if you'd say something like no this person has a name don't refer to them as that they would right. they would you would get pushback like <clears throat> everybody sees things differently so i, I can imagine there's going to be different parts of the brain highlighting up on some of this stuff so uh cynthia hi cynthia welcome so Hello. glad to have you here today hi you're You've been on the show before and you've been amazing. So glad to have you back. So uh, Cynthia, we were talking about uh, two hours ago um, about uh, a little bit of things. You brought up something that was really interesting. It was in 1939, because I asked you, I said, what are the roots of what we're seeing today? And you brought up 1939. The 1939, I'm talking about in Germany, when the rise of the, neo, uh, the excuse me, not neo-Nazi, but the Nazism part, uh, Nazi party and Nazism. They used the exact same words, the exact same rhetoric. Basically, this uh, white replacement theory is basically this literally word for word that they're using today. They have copied from the rhetoric of 1939 Germany. If you look at the two philosophies, both claim that this is a Jewish conspiracy to replace the people who are, you know, the pop, the general populace. Wow. Okay. Now, Aria, didn't we talk last week about something of the, it was the Nazis that literally burned transgender history and sexual orientation understanding? That's right. Um, back during the time of the Weimar Republic, before the, the Nazi takeover, Germany was actually one of the most gay-friendly places in the world for that time period. And there was actually a lot of research being done on um, uh, trans identity. There was there were people who were openly gay. It was um, it was it was the place to be if you were a queer person and had the misfortune of living in the 1920s, 1930s. But um, then there is an obvious major major backsliding when the Nazis took party took power. Sorry. Now, does anybody know in 1923 what happened with Hitler and his minions, the uprising and that little coup that he had? Does anybody know about that? I do. Cynthia, it, can you? It was it? an attempted coup uh, where he tried to overthrow the government and he failed and then was sent to prison. And that's when he wrote probably one of the most despicable pieces of work. Yep, Mein Kampf. Wow. And gotta, that's been used by. Yeah, every right-wing group uh, you can imagine. 
Now, I mean, why? Are... What? What was now? Now, see, now the reason I bring that up is because the rhetoric behind what Hitler was saying in 1923—the reason why they had to have the coup—was because it was he, as he said, it was the socialist Democrats or and you know uh, Jewish people that were they infiltrated the military during World War One, and they led to the they led to Germany losing in World War One, and so Hitler went on the attack saying it's the socialist Democrats that are that they infiltrated our, our government and their and their terror us down they're making us weaker that's why we lost world war one that's why we need to take this government back and make sure that we are stronger and make germany great again now i just think that what i explained there is a literal parallel to what we're hearing today in 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 our country in this country today with 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 mega republicans and and trump and 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 the election being stolen i mean <laughs> It's only been a year and a half from the 2020 election, and they've made it seem like it's like some major event that's a part of American history in a way that I can't even imagine. Like it's, they've taken it. Surprised that they gravitated to that, especially with the fact that of American exceptionalism. Yeah, many many of the talking points have even remained the same. There was um, a talking point that the Nazi Party was um, well known for using about what they called Jewish Bolshevism. So they believed that the Marxist movements, communist movements, those were Jewish plots to undermine the German people. And that talking point still exists in right-wing circles here in the United States. They don't call it Jewish Bolshevism. They more commonly call it, um, um, what is it? Global, it? global, global elitism? Well, um, yeah, globalism is a common term or... Um, postmodern neo-Marxism. So it's the same talking point, slightly different package that's still used by the far right today. Well, now, Lucy, the reason that I'll answer that, why am I, am I surprised? I, I am, I am surprised because I didn't realize up until the last few months, how much I had benefited from the systems in play here in this country, how much a white man can can benefit from from this system, to where last year I was offered you know high paying jobs, same actually the same franchise offered me like seventeen dollars to work at Chipotle, same franchise this year's fourteen fifty less than they advertise on the on the promotionals and. It, it and and so I did. I I didn't. I thought you know in the last few years that I I was like oh yeah I'm I'm, I'm awaking to how much I'm privileged right right. But like it wasn't until that I got like smacked in the face with discrimination that I'm like Whoa. well I think I think that's because it goes back to the emotional intelligence thing too. Like many people aren't looking outside of their bubble and seeing that like their neighbor might not have it as well because that that person might not be their neighbor. Like for me, I've seen racism in America since like I've been capable of remembering things like. For a lot of white people, if, for instance, when when a transgender woman comes out to me who is white, I will have to explain, you're a minority now. You're going to get shit and hate for literally no fucking reason. And to many of them, they don't understand because they've never been a minority in America. And it's very apparent when you live it daily that like, oh shit, like America is kind of shitty to people who aren't the majority or that it wasn't built and made for because a lot of the stuff is just inherent to its existence. Like earlier we were talking about how this came around since 1930s, but really this othering thing has been around since the founding of the country. Benjamin Franklin hated the fucking Germans and said that they were going to turn all of America speaking German, uh, German instead of English, and we saw that that didn't happen. Then the next group who came, it happened to them. Uh, white people have even been doing it to other white people that they didn't claim were white. Like for a while, Irish people were considered lesser white folk. 
happened to them, the Germans, so forth. Like, this is ingrained in America. This country is racist as fuck and always has been. We saw, like, I mean, it was literally built on the backs of Black folk and fucking Native Americans. Like, this country has never been for those of us who are the minority. So, Mariana, I wanted to ask you um, again. So you were in you, you mentioned yesterday you did something with pharmacology. So yeah. I find that to be interesting because somehow, again, I feel like this can tie into um, what's happening and what we're seeing today. Do you think there's sure. any relevance to, uh, you know, those old hippies from the 60s and 70s saying that we're disconnected from nature? This is why everything's wrong, because we're not doing enough mushrooms. I, I mean, I mean, to, to some extent, yes, and I actually pulled some information on this. Like, um, we, we've had a, a vilification of herbal medicines like marijuana and psilocybin and, and other things like that. But the reason for that criminalization at its core is specifically to further other minorities. So like with the criminalization of marijuana in, the 19, in 1937, was specifically to create new felons of African-Americans and Mexicans. And by doing so, it meant that these people could no longer vote. So it allowed a greater amount of control over these communities. Uh, then we follow that up with mushrooms were part of the drug war that started in the 1970s under Nixon. And Nixon's domestic policy chief, uh, Ehrlichmeier, or excuse me, Ehrlichman, um, is specifically qu quoted as stating the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and Black people. You understand what I'm saying. You knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or Black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the Blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt the, those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Do you know we, excuse me, did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. So this is literally done in order to have greater control over powerless or lesser powered communities. And that's something um, you see today too. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not saying that it stopped. Oh yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there that not only did it happen back then, it's still happening today. Yeah, I, I'm, ju I'm just saying that that we have a specific quote from from a you know a political representative that's straight up saying, yes, we we know we were doing this mm -hmm. illegally. We know we were doing this specifically to criminalize these groups, not because of what they were doing was criminal, but because what they wanted we didn't like yeah now now it's really interesting now here here's something now what is there any validity to what i've heard about the nixon administration being hard on the environmental rights and them then yeah. like subsidizing the government with uh, corn and high fructose corn syrup and that's what led to the mass production of corn back in the 70s that led to like corn high fructose corn syrup being mass produced i do believe <laughs> the nixon administration founded the the epa though they, they were yes they did uh, Back when the Republicans cared about environmental issues. <laughs> because they had to. <laughs> because, because they had to, yeah. It, now, what yeah. do you mean they had to? Explain what smog, is that? The smog was thicker than water in places like LA and New York. So yeah. action had to be taken. So the Republicans really 
Republicans are kind of the party of, I don't give a shit until it affects me. Like, if you look at some of these politicians who are very, who are these, some of these right-leaning Republicans who are currently for gay rights, it's only, be, it's only because it's somehow affected them or their family. There are plenty of mm. actual senators who are Republican who are now gay rights, but it's only because they say things like, well, so-and-so in my family is gay, so now I have to worry about it. Mm. Yeah, Marion, you brought up um, a good thing about the, or you brought up a good point about the, the drug wars. Um, a lot of people's analysis on systemic racism stops at obvious things. Like we talked a little bit about Jim Crow. Um, you know, Jim Crow is very obvious, overt type of racism. You know, black people can't go to certain neighborhoods. Black people can't marry white people. But if we go a layer deeper than that, we see things like the war on drugs that maybe do not necessarily explicit target minorities, but are clearly designed to do so. Yeah. Um, and now as for your, your statement about whether or not the hippies were right about, you know, drugs opening your mind and things like that, um, I, I can't speak specifically to the mechanisms of cannabis, but as for with psilocybin, part of how some of them work is to cause a flood of serotonin in your brain that ends up creating all of these extra connections that you, you personally either cannot make, as in your brain doesn't want it naturally make them, or you may have some sort of block that you wouldn't allow. So it allows you to see things in a, a way that you wouldn't necessarily see them. And then when that, that drug wears off, while those connections may no longer exist, the, the experience would still be with you. Um, so it allows you to have more of a whole experience as it were, um, that, that may be able to, to get by some of those, you know, those mental blocks that you have. Mariana, let me ask you that. Where in the mind does this nationalistic uh, mindset come about? Well, I mean, I, I find that at the, the core of it, nationalistic ideology is coming from like a fear of the other. Um, but like that fear isn't new for us as a species. Like there has been at least nine human species on this earth. And now there's only one. Um, and while some of that is integration, like we have seen things like um, Neanderthal DNA as part of the human uh, homo sapien genome. Um, a notable amount of that loss is of diversity in, in the homo genus is going to be coming from war. Simply homo sapiens attacking and killing the other. Um, and so in, in modern day, we, we don't have another humanoid race that we can other. And so we've come to a point that it's media and politicians creating these false dichotomies um, in the entrance, again, of control of people and taking that to an extreme level. Um, so really, I, I feel like nationalistic ideology as a thing is a natural evolutionary mechanism um, that really has been weaponized by this world and this culture. I love that answer so much. So, so I'm thinking about that and I'm like, so does that, is that, is that where this like, that systematic is that where that racism and that, that comes from like our hatred for other people like we're like you know we're like is it is it deep-seated and like we erased all the other human types of species and now we're going to we're this this certain group that has power is going to erase all others uh races of humanity because they don't match the is that i mean i i hope not 
But isn't that's, that what we're seeing by some of those like groups? Yes, there there are some people that unfortunately are only looking for fellow white people of their own age, of their own specific nationality, looking for that that ridiculous ethno state because they somehow have a, a belief that the idea of diversity is is going to lessen them as ridiculous as that is. I'm curious, like, you know, we're talking about that great replacement that they're that they're that they're steaming of today. They're saying the same thing that that Nazis said before, but I don't understand why we're not standing up and being like, this is Nazi rhetoric. Like, like I, I, I just don't see it. It's like, it's so, it's so similar. Like, it's kind of like in school, like you've been taught that when you go, when you think of Nazis, you immediately think of evil monster and that it couldn't happen in today's society because these things were so apparent, but they're not apparent. You can tell by the rhetoric they use. Look at the way that the alt-right came along. They came along and they appealed to a lot of these um, supposed disenfranchised white dudes because they looked super suave. They spoke very articulate and they didn't really listen to what was being said by the people. They just saw the, the imagery that they were giving. And then they were like, hey, I know you feel disenfranchised. Here's why you're being disenfranchised. And they capitalized on that idea. To black people, this has been apparent for a very long time. We've seen it. Like we know, we know what it is. Um, but to a lot of white people, they see they see basically these social enemies like Nazis and racists as something that's more overt and something that's not hidden in the shadows. They see it as I can't be racist because I don't say the N-word. I can't be a bigot because I've got a gay friend or um, or whatnot. Or I can't be a racist because I'm gay. And it's like to black people, no, we we see it for what it is. And sure, there are some black people who fall in line with that. There are uh, uh, proud boys who are black, but they see it as like, oh, I'm part of the in-group and most likely these people are gonna kill me if, if I'm along with them. Some of them have bought into the Kool-Aid. Yeah, that's true. But a vast majority of black folks see it for what it is. We know that you don't have to be overtly racist to be racist. We know that you don't have to be overtly a bigot to be a bigot. Mm -hmm. You can do both. Uh, I got a very simple quote I had pulled up. It's from uh, Albert Einstein. And I think everyone here on the panel can agree with this. Uh, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but but by those who watch them without doing anything. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like a lot of these things could have been stopped ahead of time if people because were more everything that you guys have mentioned and talked about, you can easily pull up. Uh, you know, statistics, facts, history books, and go step by step through. You know, hundreds of years worth of history that re recycles through over and over. But, uh, but overall, we are continuing to allow it. We normalize the shootings as just, oh, my God, this guy over here killed two people in the synagogue. This guy over here killed five people in the Walmart. Up in Buffalo, this guy killed this. I mean, we are having so many of um, these I issues that it just becomes normalized. And unfortunately, we're becoming more desensitized to it. And we're starting to, uh, how do I want to put this? giving up when we should be doing the opposite. We should be going on the attack saying that this is enough. We need to start saying, okay, let's start solving these problems instead of our prayers and condolences BS that I keep hearing from one side of the aisle 
And on the other side of the aisle, oh, we'll fix it. Don't worry, we'll, we'll fix it. Yeah. Really? Cynthia, I think that goes along well with uh, what Gene was saying about identity politics in the election of Obama, because um, we have the, you know, the overt, hateful, bigoted people in the world that are obviously bad. But then we also have this idea on the other side of the aisle of ideas like colorblindness. Yeah. Like we, we don't need to do anything. We've we've fixed these problems. We've addressed these issues. So you have a really, uh, really bad dichotomy of very overt bigotry on one side and apathy and a do nothing attitude on the other side. Right. We can't we can't allow apathy to set in and treat these I, these issues like settled issues because they're absolutely not. Right. So I see all of these um, people out there learning to be more respectful and accurate in my representation. And so I've learned I can't just call people Nazis. So um, hey, who told you that? You totally can. And you should probably hit them. Somebody acts know. like a Nazi, call them a Nazi. If you don't want to call a Nazi a Nazi, then you're just going to let the Nazi get away with their Naziness. Call them okay, out. See, for what they this are. is why. This is why I. We should talk more because sometimes the like these seven days between our shows, I forget about that, and then I come back and it's like amnesia. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's because like you're not well, black. You don't have to live yeah, this in this constantly. simple way. Yeah, let me just put you in this simple way. The Nazi going to Nazi. That's the way it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anytime if like, and they're going to tell you, oh, see, you're just disagreeing with me and calling me a Nazi because I disagree with you. Like, just be like, no, I'm calling you a Nazi because you use Nazi rhetoric. You do not. Because you talk. are. Exactly. Using Nazi rhetoric. It's okay to, to recognize, hey, I was mistaken before and right. to make yeah. a change about it. There's yeah. no shame in that. The only okay. shame comes is when you're like, I'm going to double down and vehemently deny what's going on because somebody has proven me wrong on something. Right. So the only way to attack it, if that's the question you're going to ask, is to attack these the, the root and make a systemic change. Like people who recognize there's something wrong and they're like, well, I'm not going to vote because one party doesn't do shit and the other party just makes things worse. There's like, I understand this belief that, oh, there's a lesser of two evils and I don't want to participate because it's still evil. I would say that it's more evil to, to not reach out and do something, to not go out and vote for the party that's not going to change shit until that other party dies off and you get a party that's actually going to do some shit. One party is actively working to remove your rights. The other is kind of just maintaining status quo. If we can push out that smaller minority that has the most money and a lot of loudness quit voting them in start voting in the, the do nothings sooner or later yeah. you're going to have a group of people who are going to come around who are going to want to do shit Rihanna, i want to ask where does polarized polarization in the mind where it's like it's either white or black or it's like it's it's left or it's right it's like it's good or evil like where does that mentality come from where does that where do we where do we develop that do you have i mean that 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 is is something that at its core is developed in infancy. Um, it's it's something that at the beginning, you know that that's why when you're looking at um, like early early infant books and things like that, you're going to see a lot of red, black and white and red right. or something like that. You're going to see very strong because at that point they they are still that that is all they're able to comprehend. Their, their eyes haven't developed, their brain hasn't developed to a point that they're able to see beyond that. And so the, those, those deeper grays and things like that and the ability to understand them 
is going to come with a greater mental maturity that occurs throughout life. So I recognize that this is most likely no longer your passion. However, it seemed that it might have been a passion before. And I'd like to ask, what gave you your passion to go into the field that you did, that long drawn out fantastic name because I love science that ended in neuroscience? If, if you, you really want the truth, it started out with me being passionate about ethology, which is the study of animal behavior. Um, and so, um, and part of that was I did a um, internship at the St. Louis Zoo and that was really cool. But part of that was working on a um, working on a study that really I did not have any passion for whatsoever. And I realized for every single like study that I would work on that I would absolutely love, there'd be like three studies that I didn't care about. But I still loved animal behavior and psychology. And so I transitioned that from a, an environmental studying animals in the wild to behavioral neuroscience, which focuses on using animal models in order to study human behavior. Um, and so I, I went to working with, with animals in the lab in order to do my, my studying. Mariana, we talked a lot about how um, psychology uh, touches on all these different subjects and how we can come to, to different conclusions by it. How would you say that your field of study has impacted your worldview? Um, so one of the things that, that I feel like I, I've really seen is, because um, I, I am a um, biological behaviorist, I, I really do believe that at the core of it, people are, are more or less biological vending machines good thing in, good thing out, bad thing in, bad thing out. And so um, I, I just kind of understand that that at the core of it, like if if someone has a, a really shitty view or, or does, does bad things that probably somewhere along the line, they have been, been encouraged, whether that be through the, the consequences of their actions or um, through the, you know, through the um, reinforcement of, of something like the media to, to see that as a positive and for them to get, uh, you know, positive reinforcement from that. Would you say that's your passion now then? I would love it to be my passion now. Um, unfortunately, my passion now is um, keeping food on the table. I'd say that's less of a passion and more of a necessity. Would you, yeah. when you agree? No, if, if, if I, if I could, if I had the, the ability to, to do what I wanted, I, I would get back into, to lab work. I, I would go back into working in the lab. So would you say that that's something that were you to be able to go back into, you'd be able to plant seeds to the change that you'd want? Um, absolutely. Cause I, I'm going to be honest. I was even closeted for myself at, at that period of time that I was doing all those things. So like the, the gender studies and the sexuality and things like that, that I would love to do, I didn't do at that time. And I, I, would, I would absolutely be studying gender and sexuality using animal models um, to see more of the, the base neurological you know, core of those things.
what seeds would you sow that would affect the change that you want going forward through that field? As for the specifics, um, that that is something that I would need to do further research on. Okay. I, I don't, I, I, because it's not something that I saw and it's not something that I've sat down and read articles and things like on, I don't know specifically where that field of study is. So I, I can't speak honestly at where I would go with it. Okay, All right. I understand that. I, as someone who's also in the, the field of science, I completely understand. Um, would you say, were you to find stuff that you know proved what changes you wanted going forward, how would you feel about the seeds that it would sow? And how would you feel if, you know, for instance, we had another Nazi-esque era, they were to burn your, your information. What are your thoughts on those two questions? Well, the positive negative of the era we live in now is nothing is ever truly lost because it can always go somewhere else. But because of that, we also have the issue of you know, things can be tainted or changed and, you know, that the, the original meaning may be lost in that sense. Um, so while, you know, let's say we had a, another large rise in fascism and they were to destroy those sort of texts, they would still exist in some sense, but they may be corrupted in a way that that it would still be lost all the same, which which would be tragic. So in that same vein, just kind of like a set the record straight sort of mentality, what would be the exact change that you would want to see through your actions? So I, I would love to have more information on the, the specifics of the, the physical, you know, physical representations of, you know, gender and sexual orientation as well as as gender presentation um, unfortunately what it really comes down to though is that level of scientific information is not seen by the public because we see things like coronavirus is cured in the news when you read the actual article and it's coronavirus had alcohol added to it in a petri dish and it stopped the growth in a petri dish well that's not something that can be be added into a real life situation because we can't fill a human body with alcohol. We can't, we can't cover every, every hospital in alcohol constantly, but that's not what the news reports, which means anything that I would reasonably be studying that would be something of interest to me would be on such a basic as opposed to applied level that it wouldn't be seen by the general public, unfortunately but may hopefully create um, paths that, that future scientists would be able to apply. I completely get that wholeheartedly. Being in the science field, I completely understand that. So how close do you think, um, how close do you think we can actually get towards your goal, like as a society? Well, I mean, you know, really the truth is it's, it's, it's a time issue. It's it's not happening tomorrow. It's not happening next year. It's so not happening sense, the decade after that. In a but, sense, you recognize that you would be kind of sowing the seeds for yes, a better Yes, I tomorrow. mean, as, as the, the, the saying goes, the, the best time to plant a tree is 40 years ago. And the second best time is right now. 
and so that's that is that is where we that's where we are um yeah, that and, is a and, great thing and we've done that we've done that again and again as as you were speaking of you know burning the 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 library in germany that that had all of these you know texts where at, at that same same um college that was where some of the first transgender surgeries occurred um, yes and that it's it's destroyed that that doesn't mean we didn't exist then it doesn't mean we didn't exist before then but from what the public sees we don't exist so so you kind of see how the world would benefit um yeah through this sort of information would you say that it would that the ultimate goal would then also be like the liberation of or not necessarily disenfranchised, but um, these margin these groups that are now considered marginalized, like trans people. I mean, hopefully, hopefully it would be a better understanding by the public that that we're we're not others. Like we don't have to be others. Like a genuine level of of sameness and equality throughout could be possible. And in the same vein that I asked Cynthia, I have to ask you the same question. Sure, sure, sure. Let's see those convictions. How far are you willing to go? I mean, if you you told me that if I died tomorrow, everything would be done, I would be dead by tonight. Mariana, thank you so much for being here with us today. It means so much. Absolutely. Um, Good person. Gorgeous. What? Gorgeous. <laughs> You know, it just feels oh, cool. I turned off my own face because it's ugly. Uh, what? What? That's what is my actual thing? We're gonna come for you for saying that. None of that negative I mean, self-talk. You're gorgeous. I will reach through this this webcam and I'm going to poke you in the forehead and be like, "Gorgeous, come give me a hug, Amazon." Well, I don't know where you're living, but now I'm going to find I'll you. Take that as a threat. Find gonna... you gives you so much <laughs> unconditional love. Yeah, you're gonna get fucking hugs for fucking uh... days. Thank you.